0: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the History Hit World Wars podcast. I'm your host, James Rogers, and we are dedicated to that turbulent period in history between 1914 and 1945. I'm super excited about this episode because on Dan Snow's history here, he had one of England's most legendary footballers, Gary Lineker. And Gary's grandfather was one of the so called D Day Dodgers during the Second World War. In fact, his family history is pretty fascinating here, so we thought we'd bring it to you on the World Wars. Now, the D Day Dodgers were those men who fought in the Italian campaign, like my own grandfather, but were accused of missing the supposedly harder fight. In Normandy. Of course, this wasn't true. The Italian campaign was one of the hardest military campaigns of the war. And so in this episode, Gary talks about his grandfather, his experience of hard fighting in Italy, and of course, unsurprisingly, him and Dan also talk a little about football. I know you're going to love this one, so make sure you take that extra second to subscribe and to share with anyone and everyone you know who loves history. But now, Here's Gary Lineker on the D-Day Dodgers.
2: Gary, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. I mean, I'm obviously I'm no expert compared yeah, with yeah. your good self, but I'll um give it my best shot.
3: But well, no, but you said that, but you've that's the nice thing about history. Everyone can access it. And you've walked the ground now. That must have been so special. Well, explain to everyone what you've done for this show that's on tonight. Of course. Well,
2: it's I'm basically f- following the footsteps of my grandfather, who fought in uh, World War II and the Italian campaign. He started in Africa, but then he went to Italy. So I'm doing I'm kind of following his footsteps and to see what it was all about. Because I think it compared with something like D-Day, which obviously everyone knows about and it's enormous. And the Italian campaign is, is much more inferior in terms of the, the amount that people know. No, I mean, obviously, historians like your good self would, would understand it and stuff. But I think the general public don't really understand what went on there. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to do it, it was not just because of I was interested because it's my granddad's Footsteps, and I knew nothing about it, but also the fact that a lot of the people that went on that campaign, I think they feel a little bit hard done to by the fact that they were kind of usurped, if you like, by by D-Day. And um, so I'm telling that story, telling the story of the Italian campaign via the footsteps, via the eyeballs of my grandfather. And um, it was uh, actually incredibly educational. It was incredibly emotional. And um, I, I'm so glad I did it. I think in, when people see it, I honestly believe it's possibly the most meaningful thing I've done in television. Oh, it's a bad yeah. yeah.
3: Score lots of goals for England yeah, is not bad.
2: Yeah, but scoring goals for England is, is fun and, and it's great. And you're kind of serving your country in a way, but it doesn't compare with what they went through. I mean, it was it was an extraordinarily brutal campaign thousands and thousands of people lost their lives and not just not just british troops but allied troops from from all parts of the world from poland india all sorts of different places america obviously was and i think that's why it's perhaps overlooked a little bit here it was primarily a sort of american campaign led by general clark did your granddad talk about it when he came back no that's the thing i had absolutely no idea what he did in the war and I I knew him really well. He died I think in eighty four when I was twenty three, and never spoke a word about the war. He seemed a very happy, easy go, lucky guy. One thing was interesting, and I I learned something from it. But he, he always smelt of polos, and he was always eating polos all the time. And I, I latterly learned that actually well, that was one of the things they gave in their ration boxes during the war was were, were, were mints. So. Maybe that was the only thing, the only clue I had to any kind of war history. And did, did was the
3: production team able to turn up or your family or anything? What sort of letters and was it? Did you, did you discover anything
2: about him personally? Not so much personally, but I had the war diaries of his field ambulance. So it weren't his words, but there were words of what they did, how many losses, exact places that they went on. So that that was a great thing and from that I I followed what they did and obviously I had historians with me that were experts in the field I also spoke to a couple of veterans who were extraordinary both came over to Italy one was 104 William 104 years old flew all the way to Italy because he really wanted to come and and he was lucid and he was a, he was a motive and he was he was great another guy called Fred was 95 and he climbed the steps to the polish memorial um with with me and uh, i think i was more out of breath than him but and they both told their stories and it was the frankness and the honesty that struck me most
3: did you uh, we all do it now the minute they're gone you just wish them you wish that you would ask them all the questions and things did you did you is it if you know is the one thing now that you on that journey like oh i just wish i'd asked about this or that
2: actually not so much because I spent quite a lot of time with them not just during the interview but also before not much before because I didn't I, I like whenever I do interviews I don't like to start talking about stuff before I do it and that applies to football but afterwards I had a lot of time with them and to be honest I can't remember which questions I asked during the interview and which ones I'd asked afterwards but by and large I think You'll know as well as I do, when when you do something for television, the one thing when you look at it, which I've now, I've I've seen the final edit, is that despite spending so much time with them, there's always so little in it. But what they say is hugely important and and hugely poignant as well.
3: So your granddad never mentioned the award, and he was sort of happy. So you don't think it affected him too badly the rest of his life?
2: I don't know. I think it has to. Having experienced my time in Italy with the guys that were there, I can't see how it could possibly not have some sort of effect on his life. I mean, maybe he hid it, maybe when he's, you know, I was his, I was his grandchild. Right? They're, you know, everyone's jolly around their grandchildren, uh, especially when they go. Um, <laughs> so I, I I honestly don't know. And, and that's the one thing. Well, a couple of things, actually. The one thing is that I just wish I could now spend half an hour with him, you know, and ask him those things. And I'll never have that chance. And the other thing, which kind of got me going a bit in the in the doc, was that I just wish my mother was still alive to to see what what he did and what hero he and and so many others were. As you say, what's what's amazing is that each one of the. I mean, you've
3: lived a very dramatic life. I mean, I, whenever I meet a veteran, I think you've experienced more in a couple of years of your life than I will ever experience in my whole life. I mean, each were, in the seventies, there were just these people walking around with these stories that to
2: now we just think would be extraordinary. I know, and I I wish I I wish I'd kind of been more interested back then, perhaps that's not the word, but perhaps a bit more knowledgeable and but obviously because i'm in television, I was given this opportunity to do what i've doing and that, and that that's for me is massively important and a, a real blessing that I've been able to do that
3: nice because you've got kids so it's nice that they'll have that that's already made for them now they can just uh they can look at that and i always think that's quite nice about being in tellies everyone else
2: does your family history for you it's quite nice i know and actually that my kids are all in their 20s now so they're not actually kids they're adults which i forget sometimes but they've all watched it now because i obviously i get a little look at it before and I had to voice it and stuff so and they loved it and they you know really did and they generally pretty honest <laughs> <laughs> so I just you know I I I really hope it um, I think it's very educational it, it's very moving it's very meaningful and I I hope a lot of people watch it because the people that went on that Italian campaign deserve this and I I, I really feel so strongly that that it will make a difference because they were called the D-Day dodgers it was half joking half um, self-deprecation but there was a song about it as well and a couple of them sing one or two of the verses um, of the song, Join the Show. And it was kind of mocking the fact that they weren't at D-Day. They got this easy thing in Italy and um, it was all sunshine and roses and beer. The absolute opposite is the truth. It was a hellish campaign, trying to get up mountains with the Germans on the top, firing down at them in dreadfully difficult winter conditions, trying to cross rivers that ended up flowing red with blood. Um, it, it's It's an agonisingly horrible campaign.
3: You know, what, Gary, as you're saying this with all this, uh, with all this energy, I'm beginning to feel a bit nervous about my job here doing history at the BBC. <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this.
2: I, um, think, I think you're safe. I think you're okay. I'm, I mean, I'm a novice, but I was just, it was just great to learn about it and coming from it, I suppose, coming at it at an angle that, of ignorance in a way.
3: Well, and that, but that's what I love about history is that any as anybody I think can access it and go on this journey like you've done and get quite a high level of understanding. Can I just quickly check your? He, so he was in he was in the he was
2: driving an ambulance or part of an ambulance crew, was he? Um, he was um, a field ambulance team. Obviously, ambulances weren't yeah. what ambulances are in yeah. this day. It was part of a yeah. So he he started off um, in the lower rank and he ended up as um, a, as a nursing orderly and then he went on and obviously he would have had to make like unbelievably difficult decisions they were constantly out there thousands of thousand people injured you'd have to you know there would be probably two or three people and one of the veterans explained because he was also um, in the field ambulance side of things and and he was explaining that sometimes you've got three guys there one's going to die one's got this injury one's got you've got to decide which one to take back which one to leave I mean just just unimaginable scenarios that for us of our generation who've not had to live through that kind of experience. Thankfully, um, would would it just it, very emotional. <music>
1: Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash
0: upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort.
3: Does it make you think differently about, you know, your day job is is watching the world's best players day in, day out? Um, and, and obviously, as a, as a player, you played for England, record scorer for England. Does it make you think a bit differently about um, about that? Or, or, or should, because I sometimes feel guilty, oh, well, I'm more worried
2: about my podcast when these lads have gone through so much worse. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Of course, you have thoughts like that. You know, you think you've done something relatively important in your life, but it pales into insignificance um, compared with those that actually gave their life or, you know, gave large, you know, and went through extraordinarily difficult circumstances. So it doesn't compare, but you know, how can you ever, yeah. you know, compare television or or even playing football to something that really matters in life and something uh, as important as that? Um you know it's not something most of them would have chosen to do but as well and they were very honest and and that was the thing as well the frankness and the honesty and and the fact that they weren't scared to say how scared they were and and that struck home as well but you know we, we all look at ourselves don't we we all know we're fortunate and those of us that have the jobs that like we do but I suppose you can beat yourself up about that all day, but that's why for me it's it's nice to be able to tell this story and nice to give them the credit and the respect that they deserve
3: one thing i the one thing I think people sort of talk about sport and, and war, and I think some of the parallels are you know that, that don't really work but I think one thing is interesting is a lot of the veterans actually came back and realized that in some that in some important part of their life was over, and in a way despite the terror and the moments of uh, of you know horror, they do miss it in some way. And I'm wondering your transition from being uh, a player to now the the sort of the leading football broadcaster in the UK. Do you still? Do, are you glad you're still kind of in it, or do you just think, God, I still wish I was on the pitch?
2: No, actually, I I prefer my life outside. Uh, although I loved playing and it was great at the time, um, but there's this slight feeling of did it, got away with it, <laughs> you know, because everything I sort of did in my career surprised me a little bit um, and the levels that I reached. But, I mean, I love playing, but there's an extraordinary, you know, it doesn't compare with going back to the war thing, but the pressures, but different kind of pressure. But, you know, it, it is, it's high-pressured business, but... Um, being a striker in particular, you've got to have those goal scoring ratios. You, you go two games without a goal and everyone's telling you you're not what you were and you've had it. You know, it's just part and parcel of being a footballer. So whilst I love that, I also love what I do now. And it also gives me loads more freedom in my life. Whereas when you're a player, I know that it's hard to complain because it's just a wonderful thing to be able to do. But you are treated like a child you know, you will be on the bus at this time. You will eat that and you will eat it at this time. Then you're going to do this training. Then you're going to do, then you'll be on the bus at this time. Then you're going to bed at 10 o'clock and blah, blah. So there comes a point when you reach your thirties where you think, actually it won't be a bad thing to go into the to another world. The difficulty for a lot of footballers is, is they don't find another world. And that's the problem. I've been extremely fortuitous in the sense that I've found something else that I can do. And it's also something that's, that's close to the it. Well, it is part of the game that I've I've loved and been passionate about all my life. So, so I'm you know I, I can't imagine why anybody in a war would um, miss what they were doing, but I suppose some people might. Um, but in terms of playing football, I loved it, but I don't miss it.
3: I'm, I must say I'm a bit surprised. Here. I, I think it's probably because you've been so you know lucky and, and yeah. done so well in your subsequent. But I mean, pr- presumably there are footballers who who because I, mean, I look at them and think it's a Champions League match, the whole stadium scream their name and then they're going to walk in Civvy Street the next week and, they think, and they're going to have nothing. You know, how does that work?
2: No, it's extremely difficult. I mean, footballers, I suppose nowadays it might change a little bit in terms of the top level players because they earn so much that if they're half sensible, which most of them aren't, <laughs> if they're half sensible, they can look after themselves for, for their life. But what happens is, to a lot of footballers, is they get to their 30s and then suddenly the career's over, the fame kind of dissipates. The money drops off the, you know, <laughs> really drops off. That can lead to a little bit of, you know, self doubt, you know, all sorts of difficult scenarios. The the divorce rates of, of footballers um, from, I think, 35 to 40 is something like 70%. And you can see why, you know, footballers, all of a sudden life's different and then they, you know, it becomes different and then they've, you know, fall out with their wives or fall out with themselves and all of a sudden life is difficult. And that happens to a lot of footballers. So it is difficult post-football because there's a hell of a lot of life after football, however much you've earned. And the other thing as well is because you earn a certain amount, you get used to spending a certain amount. And then that has to change when you stop playing for the vast majority. So, you know, it's football's a great thing and it's wonderful to be involved. And I think we can all, you know, be envious of the money they certainly earn these days but but when it stops it's difficult
3: as we do get a bit older um coming back onto the history do do you think and you've made this program at this time is that coincidence that or is it is it now you're thinking unlike that 23 year old you're thinking suddenly i'm getting a bit more interested in
2: history what do you think that is i don't know why but it's definitely true i think as i've got older i've got more interested in lots of things more interested in politics. Um, I wish I hadn't been. Yeah, well, off, We can come on to that, dude. <laughs> I wish I hadn't. But um yeah, all sorts of things. Have, we, we change as human beings. We change, I'm a totally different person now than I, I was in my 20s. You know, we learn from things that we get wrong. We learn from things that we do right. But also the interest change. I, I did Who Do You Think You Are a few years ago. and I didn't know whether to do it or not. That, and even at that point, I was thinking, mm, shall I do it? It's a couple of weeks. I don't know. And then... My ex, Danielle, she said, oh, you've got what an opportunity, you've got to do it. So I did it and I loved it. And it was the same people who made a, Who Do You Think You Are, Have made this history Because when they they also found this story, but they said they'd done a lot of war stories, so we'll stick with these other two stories that I have for Who Do You Think You Are. Um, but they revisited it and approached me. And I, I was actually at the leash to do this one. I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to do it. I'd want to find out, but I had no idea of his story. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you do change. There's no question about that. And your interests change. And I think as you get older, um, maybe it's because our clock is ticking down, that we, we have more interest in things that have gone past.
3: Uh, you mentioned it. I've uh, got. I can't let you
2: go without just asking you. I mean, you you're out for
3: anyone. Uh, anyone abroad listening to this, they will not know perhaps that you are incredibly outspoken on on social media about your views on politics and things like that. And you get absolute and and people go mental. and They say stick to foot, stay in your lanes. Yeah. What it's funny when people say stick to this. it's like, you're following me, mate. It's your decision. I think it's a strange. What what do you want me to do on this free service
2: for you? <laughs> I know it's 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 only a tiny minority that do that, but it 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 is kind of. Irritating at times because obviously they won't stick to whatever they do on social media, and then they'll say, "Yeah, but you've got a really big platform. You've got seven whatever million followers." I said, "Well, so what's the cut-off point then? To, to, is it is it is it hundred followers? Is it a twenty thousand followers? A hundred thousand? Where, where's the point where you actually go? Actually, you're not allowed to have an opinion on anything else but football. It's silly. Obviously, it's silly, and I don't think um, most people think it's it's a thing. I'm I'm, I'm not." massively outspoken on politics obviously a issues really there is you know the refugee thing i i i wonder why people can't have any sort of empathy towards their situation but a lot of people didn't like my view um and 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 brexit which i think is i think it's a crazy idea i think it's all a con but you know so i voiced my opinion on that i i don't tend to say what party I'm going to vote for or anything like that. I'll I'll try, I'll try and avoid that one. I think it's tribal enough.
3: You famously played in Spain. You're one of the few English players ever successfully uh, played on the continent. Is it, is that part of your I don't want to get into Brexit, but do you think do you think that experience has, has slightly shaped your view of of the way we ought to interact with our neighbors?
2: Well, I think all experiences um, shape our views and, and and there's no question that living abroad there and I lived in Japan as well at the end of my career, so um, maybe that's influenced it. I just, I just think we're we're better off together, and it seems a, a madness to just walk away from our biggest trade partner by a million miles. And I, yeah, it's and it's it's come to the stage now where originally, you know, three years ago we were sold that it was this is a great thing, we'll be you know free to do all this and that, and then gradually I think all the untruths and all the lies that we would spun, people realize them now. But people also get tribal, so they stick. And the more obvious it's made that this is actually not a good move, the more people stick their heels in. Um so but I just I came out and obviously I went in terms of supporting another vote because I think we and I never thought I'd do that. But it's just that I think we know so much more now about the European Union and the things that it gave to us and and the lies that we were spun and obviously there were some Ill- illegalities as well around their the leave campaign that I think the public deserve another chance to on on the final say. So we'll, but it I doubt, I doubt it will happen. But who knows?
3: Just lastly, what's um what's next for Gary Linker? You just keep keep with the football, keep with the <laughs> keep with the outspoken uh, political punditry. I mean, have you got ambitions? I mean. I'm going to make you blush, but you're one of the most successful footballers in English world history. You've reached the pinnacle of
2: British broadcasting. Is there anything else you want to do in life? <laughs> <laughs> Stick to football. Um, no, um, I, well, I've got a, a production company that's like four years old that we're gradually building. That's a lot of fun, making programmes. So I enjoyed that side of it. And, but I, yeah, I'm getting to an age now where I probably need to slow down rather than speed up. So, but um, I, I enjoy what I do. I love, you know, i i I'm, I'm been very fortunate to have been involved in, in a, something i'm really passionate about football, which has also given me the opportunities to do the other things outside of football that i've done such as, such as a history program what, what's your favorite goal for england um, I, I didn't score any great goals um, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I, but I scored a few um, for me, it will always be the first goal against Poland in the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Because it changed my life. Five or six games prior to that, I'd not scored. I thought I'd be dropped for the third game, which we had to win because we'd been useless in the first two. And Bobby Robson stuck with me, brought in Peter Beardsley. We struck up this partnership and then I scored one. And then within 20 minutes or so, I'd got a hat-trick. And then a couple after that and then one. Then I won a golden boot, which I don't like to mention. And then life changed. And it. it, so it was a life-changing goal.
3: I was in a primary school about a mile from where we're sitting now watching every single game in that World Cup. So thanks for the enjoyment you gave the class of 82, whatever it
2: was. Yeah, you should know it's history. (laughs) Ancient history now, isn't it? No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks.